welcome today. Uh, it's wonderful to be back here in June of 2022. It's amazing how time is flying and we are here with another official ideas podcast. So I'm really excited today, uh, you know, to have our guest here, uh, Mr. Eric Kaplan, who's the Sustainability and Resilience Program Director for the Tampa International Airport. So first off, welcome, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really uh, excited to be here and speak with you. Of course. You know, um, it's funny. Uh, I remember during the pandemic, people would share all of these meme, memes of like, uh, I'm ready to walk down the aisle again. And they would show the aisle of the inside of an airplane. Right? <laughs> Everyone was getting this itch for travel. And I go on to social media and, and keep up with, you know, uh, friends of mine and, and family. It seems like everybody is traveling this summer, yep. uh, that there's a big eagerness to get back out there, especially as things with the pandemic start to cool down and um, even uh, international COVID testing or masks uh, as uh, being mandated is being lifted. How are things in the transportation industry these days? Are you all experiencing the same kind of thing? Yeah, I think what you're seeing is reflective of what is most definitely happening. Um, you know, I think we were worried as far as the aviation industry goes, you know, in the post COVID world, what was going to happen, you know, the, the numbers went down to, I think like 3% what normal passengers would be uh, going in and out of Tampa international airport during COVID. So obviously we're really concerned about how that was going to, you know, affect future planning and all of that stuff. But I'd say last year and a half, our numbers are, are already back to pre-COVID numbers. So, I mean, everybody was definitely itching to get back on a plane, you know, start their traveling, get back to their lives a little bit. I think we're even starting to exceed pre-COVID numbers. So mm -hmm. the the kind of the concern or the worry about what was gonna happen long-term with this has kind of subsided because, you know, travelers have come back, uh, you know, almost a hundred percent to the airport. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh... It was certainly grim there for a bit, you know, talking to some of my friends in, in hospitality and in tourism. Uh, I mean, nothing like this has, has ever happened before when, when the pandemic was really cranking and then all, all the subsequent, uh, you know, waves of mutations like Delta and, 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 and Omicron and so on. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness, you know, it seems as though uh, for the most part, at least here in Florida, right, numbers are very low, hospitalizations are low. And, um, you know, many people are still taking precautions, but I think the majority of people who are going to be vaccinated have now been vaccinated. So sure. it's a great thing. It's amazing how, um, you know, there's just so few things that happen that the whole world really experiences all at once. And this pandemic right. was definitely one of them. You know, from a sustainability standpoint, we saw carbon emissions drop, uh, you know, in, in the double digits, uh, sometimes upwards of 20% during like hard lockdown. And uh, I remember talking to some friends and them saying, wow, I imagined it would be so much higher, the amount of carbon that was reduced. There's, you know, so fewer planes in the sky, people aren't on the roads, you know, how could it be so little right, that we're seeing this drop? I said, well, it's actually dead on with what we know the numbers are because, you know, really only a third of carbon emissions come from transit and shipping, right? You still have this huge portion coming from the electrification of cities. Sure. And, and now all of a sudden everybody's home 
they're burning more fossil fuels because they're using more electricity, right? Before right. their thermostat might be on, you know, 78 or something when they're not home, right? And they get home and all of a sudden they plunge into Arctic temperatures, right? For mm -hmm. us here in Florida. And uh, it uses a, a tremendous amount of electricity. So it's amazing how all of this is, uh, is interconnected. I'd, I'd love to know more about your background, right? So working in sustainability in, in an airport, uh, is not something that I think occurs to someone as a sustainability type job. Um, so I'd love to hear about how you arrived uh, at that position. And, and then of course, what does it mean to be a sustainability and resilience program director at Tampa International Airport? Sure. Um, yeah, the good two-part question. You know, the first I'll kind of dive into the journey because I, I do think it's a more or less normal journey, but I think one that a lot of people might relate to or, or might want to hear maybe on the beginning stages of their career because, you know, it's one of those things that you just got to, you know, if you want to make it in this, this industry and, you know, make this work kind of your life's work, you just got to stay at it. Um, and so, you know, how it happened for me is I started, uh, actually went to the University of Central Florida myself and got an environmental studies degree. And that was back when, you know, the world of sustainability was really just beginning. You know, you, you were almost rarely hearing the word. Um, you know, all the programs were environmental studies. It wasn't necessarily like global sustainability. And at uh, UCF, we were tucked, you know, in the interdisciplinary college. So, you know, there wasn't a whole college devoted to this work. Um, same kind of 30, 35 kids in every class. So, Definitely beginning stages, but, you know, really enjoyed it there just because enjoyed learning the work and kind of saw the future in it. Um, so got that environmental studies degree from UCF and then actually moved back to my hometown of St. Petersburg. So I'm born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, and then just started my professional journey with not really the biggest, um, you know, position goal in mind. You know, I didn't really know what that degree, where it could go, what the positions were. Um, you know, very cloudy, like I think a lot of people, you know, are when you're you're just graduating or just getting into college. Um, so I just started applying because you know a lot of things require that professional experience. And where I started my you know quote unquote environmental work was with the Florida Department of Health, and I was an environmental specialist. And you know, here in that title. I was thinking, you know, certainly environmental related may not be exactly what I love, but um, should be in the realm. But essentially what that job turned into was uh, um, like a health inspector of sorts and more for like kind of the, the human environment and vulnerable communities and things of that nature. Um, so I was there for a couple of years, but even though it was not environmental related per se, uh, really had a lot of benefit from that job. You know, I, I had to go out in the public. I had to do a lot of public speaking and, you know, kind of harness that skill a little bit. Um, just learned a lot of different codes and uh, got a master's degree while I was there because Florida, um, for those who don't know, if you work for a, a state department, you actually get waived tuition for a state university, which is a really great program. So I got a uh, essentially environmental policy degree from UF uh, online while I was working there. Um, great. Yeah, great. And, and I really kind of like sharing that like first stop because it, I think a lot of people relate where it may not always be like that dream job. You know, a lot of times you just got to throw a lot of darts out there, 
see what sticks at first and, you know, understand that even though it may not be, you know, a sustainability director, you're, you're gaining skills that are going to develop you down the way. Um, that'll be very beneficial. So, you know, it's always good to kind of keep that perspective, I think. Um, and so from there, I moved more into, uh, got kind of a brief job with a consultant and they were doing kind of indoor environmental air quality stuff. Um, but it was more environment related. So I wanted to kind of range out and get that experience. And then I ended up at Hillsborough County for the Environmental Protection Commission. I was working for them. And so I spent about four years there and I was predominantly in air pollution control. Um, actually got a master's in environmental engineering from UF during my time there. Wow. And that's really what kind of stemmed my environmental work. Uh, and I was doing some sustainability work because they had just implemented a position, the very early stages of it. Uh, I was supporting that role in a lot of ways. And that's what kind of got my foot into the door. And then from there, you know, after four years, the, a job opened up with Manatee County to manage the energy sustainability program there. Uh, and luckily got that job, was there for about four years too. And, and that's really what harnessed, you know, that sustainability director type experience, um, which, you know, eventually led me to a great opportunity here at Tampa International Airport. And um, wow. it's still a fairly new program here. So that second part of your program, what that means, uh, we manage a lot of different things. You know, transportation is a huge part of the sustainability world. Um, there are certain things that, you know, when you hear of an airport, we're not necessarily in control of. And, you know, scope three emissions, what we call them, is one of them. You know, what, what our vendors are responsible for, including our airlines. But there are things that we can do here to, you know, show our uh, desire for a more sustainable, you know, business place, uh, not only with our construction and development, but kind of influence our vendors as well. So we, you know, part of my position, we manage our internal sustainability management plan. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, create our very first resiliency action plan, which, you know, is a big word that's coupled with sustainability now, looking at our vulnerabilities. And a lot of that is sea level rise and storm surge and things of that nature. And Tampa International Airport is actually the only airport in Florida right now. We were the first, and I think still the only, to engage in what's called the Airport Carbon Accreditation Program, which uh, is an international program. And as you can imagine, a lot of European countries were kind of the, the innovators of that type of work, but it has really grown in North America. And so we're part of that program. And what that means is we uh, track, we map all of our scope one and scope two emissions here at the airport, uh, create a carbon management plan uh, coupled with that to mitigate those emissions. And uh, eventually we'll look at scope three as well to try to mitigate that. Um, yeah, so a lot of different projects as far as what my position does here at the airport. Wow. Well, congratulations on, uh, on, on all of your success. I mean, I think that it's really great to see someone who, you know, found their way from opportunity to opportunity to now be in a setting where your take on sustainability affects not just the whole airport, but can be, uh, you know, everything from a messaging platform to the people who travel through the airport mm -hmm. to an example of how airports can embrace sustainability, right, in the, in the larger world. 
I'm always so fascinated in the different kinds of technologies, right? That someone in your role, uh, you know, has to look to, right? Yeah. Even talking with some people that we've had on the on the podcast before around, uh, you know, their work retrofitting uh, buildings, right? And and looking at the building as this kind of living environment sure. that has its own, you know, water that they have to process and the energy that comes to it and temperatures that move throughout it during the day. It's so fascinating to me. Can you share a little bit about the type of green technologies that you come across and, and look to implement into your work to accomplish what seems like a very lofty, complex thing with a million moving parts? Right. Sure. Well, you, you spoke to some of the things that we're, we're doing here. Um, you know, again, we're, we're not necessarily uh, responsible for what the airlines do, uh, even though we can kind of help that conversation and and try to encourage, you know, their their emissions, which are obviously the, the greater emissions here at the airport. But what we do and what we have control over is a lot of our development. And I mean, the every airport, and particularly Tampa International, is like a, a mini city. And so we've got uh, a lot of development, a lot of, you know, land, a lot of buildings, and a lot of things that consume electricity, natural gas, diesel, things of that nature. So uh, certainly what you mentioned when it comes to living and breathing buildings is a, a big part of it. Uh, I'm actually sitting in what's called our Sky Center One, which is our new office space. And it was just designated as lead platinum. And so some of the things that came with, you know, achieving that lead platinum sort of certification are certainly, uh, you know, LED lighting throughout focus on recycled materials for construction, whether that be, you know, concrete, you know, uh, irrigation, uh, completely using reusable and reclaimed water for irrigation, um, building automation systems that have smart technology to kind of operate our HVAC system in the most energy efficient way. Um, all that type of stuff was incorporated into this building for our office space. And then we actually share this office space with other partners as well. So those are kind of the big things when it comes to setting a precedent, setting a criteria for our design when it comes to what we're building here, um, that we can have a high focus on sustainability. Uh, we'll be you know, adding another air side here in the next few years. We'll be adding another north terminal to plan for kind wow. of the popu population boom we've seen here. Um, and because we've set the precedent, you know, all this new construction will have a lot of that intention to it. And, you know, you can add things like solar projects. We've got a two megawatt system here on site now. Um, we're actually potentially looking at a rather large solar field on the west end of our property. We're at the beginning stages of discussing that now. Um, looking at kind of full electrification of the airport um, and kind of with that comes higher electricity consumption. So, so things like solar will help mitigate that. Uh, we've got a central, central utility plant that uses almost essentially 100% uh, reclaimed water to help uh, it ener provides energy efficient uh, cooled air throughout our main terminal. So a lot of that kind of higher end technology that we've got a real focus on to make us more efficient, more sustainable and kind of set the, the design criteria for the future here. Yeah, I mean, Certainly airports, as we started off the conversation, are getting a lot of use in Florida. For, for anyone listening who, who, who may not know, you know, Florida is one of the most visited places in the world. 
right? It was so much of our economy depends on tourism. People are flying here. And certainly we've seen during, especially the last year, uh, housing boom unlike any other. You know, my friends who are realtors have told me that the, the key shift has gone from people coming to Florida and spending their vacation time here to now people coming to Florida and deciding to stay here. Sure. You know? yeah. And um, man, it has really uh, led to, you know, these famous, you know, 100,000 people, you know, uh, you know, in a relatively short amount of time, just moving and moving, moving, moving to places. And, and Tampa certainly been part of that. But it seems like, you know, so much of what you were speaking about is is also modernizing airports into the 21st century. And I think that, you know, air travel in particular is something that is, you know, ripe for innovation of all different kinds. And, um, you know, planes and airports have been around now quite a while. And uh, I think the sustainability revolution is such a, a wonderful way to modernize structures and make them everything from more efficient as you were speaking to safer, right? And, yeah. um, you know, especially from things like indoor air quality uh, and, and that type of stuff. How does the airport fit into the larger fabric of the Tampa area, right? Do you see challenges around, uh, you know, how the airport is looking at sustainability compared to the rest of the city or the region? Are there discussions to take this kind of innovation that you're leading and expand it to other larger similar sites in Tampa, like stadiums or museums, that type of thing? Um, yeah, I think really all airports, particularly, you know, Tampa International, um, Orlando International, my, you know, a lot of the ones that are kind of tucked in that uh, high density urban areas are really in a lot of ways looked at to be leaders for the community in a lot of different ways, not just sustainability, but when it comes to your public organizations, your business entities, your, your big kind of community partners, airports are always one of the top, you know, one of the most influential. So I think for the, for Tampa International, it's really important to create, you know, the position that I'm in, create the program uh, to not only do things internally, but to essentially inspire the the greater public and to support greater public sustainability initiatives too, just to show that this is a value for uh, the airport and our leadership here. So I think we, we do a lot of things knowing that a lot of eyes looking to us when it comes to say, we're building a new office space. How is the airport going to do that? Well, the airport was able to do it and achieve, you know, a lead platinum certification, which may, you know, set a precedence for, you know, our other community partners to, to look and do the same thing. So I think, um, you know, airports, universities, there's some big partners out there that really inspire the greater community and kind of showcase what we're doing here in, uh, in ways of innovation. And for the airports, we're like the, you know, the welcome center for everybody coming in. You know, we are the, the first place that, you know, if you're not from here, you're from, you know, international countries or you're from another state, you're visiting, you're looking to move. We're the first things you see. So we have to have that kind of intentional design, value, uh, responsibility that we have to kind of showcase, you know, here the Tampa Bay area and what we prioritize. And that, that's why, you know, that's why sustainability is such a big focal point for us. That's a great point. I mean, people always remember a, a bad airport, right? And a place that they've <laughs> oh, flown yeah. into, right? And, uh, and then they do their best to avoid flying into there, you know? <laughs> Yep. And uh, 
one of the things I think is so cool is, you know, finally here in Florida, we're getting, uh, you know, light rail, right? Yep. And, and the ability to connect people uh, in, a, in a, at least to major city hubs, right? So he, here in Orlando, where we are, of course, it's all the buzz that the Bright Line is coming to Orlando soon. And yep. everyone is so excited, hoping that the Bright Line will be successful and connect to Tampa. And, you know, that is uh, the dream, right? To be able to get in a train and travel. I mean, Florida is flat. I've been a lot of places with trains where they've had to blast through mountains in order to put the car <laughs> right. and things like that, right? But here we are with Florida being flat and, uh, you know, it, tr train travel would definitely be possible. Uh, it'd be great if we all had monorails everywhere like Walt Disney imagined, but uh, unfortunately that's not the case. But I just think how amazing it'll be for people to fly into Tampa Bay International Airport They'll, they'll be able, or Tampa International Airport, they'll be able to hop on a, a train like Brightline, take it to somewhere like Orlando, right? And then for them, once they're in Orlando, for them to uh, be able to even use our, our sunrail, right? Our additional light rail that we have here to get around to different neighborhoods like Park Avenue and Winter Park. You can take mm -hmm. a train directly to there. So this is interconnectivity that might seem silly for big cities that have transit, but Florida has never had that kind of infrastructure. Right. So it's really exciting to think about uh, being able to walk onto a train, take that all the way to an airport, get on a plane and fly anywhere in the world. Um, so it's, it's great to hear how you all are thinking of the airport as this kind of welcome center for people. And to show them that, you know, this is something that Florida increasingly cares about. Because it certainly hasn't been that way in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we actually, you know, to that point, it, it is a focus for, um, for the airport here. The way that the property was designed for, you know, potential planning. And, and some of that is a, a public transit, uh, hopefully to and from downtown Tampa. So actually kind of the southern end of our, our airport. We've left, you know, quasi open in a way with, you know, infrastructure in place that, you know, if that technology were to come and, you know, we would partner with downtown Tampa, we would have that direct conduit. Um, and, you know, same thing, love hearing about, you know, the grant that that rail received and hopefully we can connect, you know, Orlando, yeah. Tampa, you know, all of those are really, really good first steps. And, and we got to take first steps. I mean, I, I, we all want kind of that Walt Disney you know, dream as well, for sure. But knowing that Florida was designed in such a way that we're so heavily reliant on our highway system and everybody's got more than one vehicle usually in their home and that, that's going to take time to change behavior um, and, and show them, you know, there's, there's a different way. And I think those, those first steps of direct conduit, like, you know, Orlando to Tampa is perfect. It's a perfect way to start introducing more and more of that because you build one thing you know a lot more will come with it yeah i mean it will be a slow evolution over time but i think that it is is becoming more necessary now than ever before i especially in the boom of people moving here mm -hmm. traffic has just really become a, a tremendous issue and um you know i think uh certainly these urban hubs miami orlando tampa are, are feeling the worst of it uh, because we just haven't been designed to hold so many people. And a lot of the new construction that's happening is high density, right? Which is great. 
but it's tough to have high density when it doesn't also come with public transit. You know? right. So right. Um, just out of curiosity, what are some cities that you've maybe been to uh, and have traveled to that have had transportation systems where you felt they've done it right? So that's a, an interesting question. I mean, I know a lot of, you know, I certainly would throw a lot of the big cities that have their, their metro systems out there, of course. And I think that's everyone's kind of common answer. Um, but there's one city that I'll kind of go kind of a different direction that I think is probably a city that could be replicated um, a lot more often than say like a New York City, which, you know, is just, you can't have more than one New York City. It's just sure. not, not sustainable. So uh, I actually took a trip to Kansas City for a conference uh, mm. a couple months ago. Never been, uh, to be honest, it wasn't high on my you know trip list, but uh, the conference took me there and, and really was a cool city to explore. And one thing that they have there, and, and so the way that it's designed, like a lot of cities, they've got uh, kind of a north end, um, like where all the, the government buildings and the big park is. And then they've got kind of a central avenue that goes many miles down the other way. And they've got like more of the, the cultural markets and the local businesses at the end. And then in between are, you know, your normal restaurants, pubs, all those type of businesses along the way. And uh, they've got a couple of different trains that go. So uh, they're fully electric and they basically have essentially a, a sub a outdoor subway train that goes um a couple of miles uh, north and south downtown hmm. um, and, and the whole downtown is kind of designed to spread out from that so it's kind of going through this centralized corridor uh, pretty much across the whole part of downtown Kansas City and I found it to be no matter where you wanted to go downtown the easiest thing to just walk up because they've got many stops along the way They've got you're waiting no more than maybe five minutes uh, tops, probably not even that, uh, to get on a train. And it just seems so easy. Uh, it wasn't in place of cars. There were still car lanes too, but they had a designated, you know, train lane of sorts, fully electric that would just go up and down uh, the downtown corridor. Thought it was simple. Thought it was easy. I didn't see many cars on the roadway. I think because of it. Um, I think it was a really uh, easy way to kind of start cities who don't have that public transit yet. You know, uh, I told you I'm from city of St. Petersburg. So if anyone's familiar with St. Petersburg, we've got a central avenue with just miles and miles of local businesses all along. Well, there, there are trolleys and there's things of that nature, but really most people are, are driving to them. Um, but something like that with the long corridor could easily be replicated there in I'm sure many, many other cities who usually have like that Central Avenue type road that cuts through the middle. So I thought it was a great um, kind of simplistic idea and almost the starter kit for a lot of cities to use. And then, you know, from there, you can kind of develop how to get into, you know, the urban sprawl of it all. But, um, you know, for a simple public transit um, solution. Uh, I thought Kansas City actually has a pretty cool uh, program going on. That's cool. You just made me want to uh, travel there and check that yeah. out. I mean, what's the number one thing people complain about in downtown? It's usually parking, yep. right? So, so talk about a great way to increase, you know, people traveling there. 
plus I know when I'm in a downtown area, especially if it's for, you know, groups of friends, I'm either there for an event or a concert or a show, a sporting event, people are drinking, right? It, it seems like a great way to stimulate the economy, frankly, by making yeah. sure lots of people have a safe way to get there. So, you know, one can only hope maybe you guys will have a train from downtown Tampa to Ebor, you know, and exactly, uh, exactly. Know, keep everybody and, you know, happy and safe. With uh, with Kansas City being an example, you know, it's I, I think it's got a little bit more power to it, too, because, you you know, of course, people are going to mention your San Francisco's, your New York City's, your D.C. metros. But, you know, if Kansas City's doing it, you know, there's no reason Tampa and Orlando can't do it. You know, there's there's really no like response to be like oh but that's you know that's san francisco like no it's kansas city you know you you most certainly can do it um if kansas city figured it out and and i think that it's it's a really good tool to use to be, because you know not everyone is is really mentioning kansas city on the forefront of sustainability but until you you go there and you visit it and you're like it's simple and uh really easy to use and they they really are a leader and they've got it down and and i think there's some power to that when we're talking to kind of our city leaders mm -hmm. well i can't think of a better way to end it than that eric i mean just <laughs> thank you so much i think that there's a lot of hope for florida still in in all of our wackiness and especially in sustainability and you know it sounds like you're doing wonderful work at the at the airport and you know we're really happy to have you there so Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your role and what you do with me today and our listeners as well. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This is Clayton Lewis Ferrara, the Executive Director of Ideas for Us, and that is another official Ideas podcast. Mm -hmm.